Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to regulatory pressures to marketing strategies. Farmers and ranchers have long grappled alone with extreme and episodic events that have threatened their ability to meet demand. But according to one food and ag nonprofit, the added strain of the pandemic has illustrated the need for stakeholders across the supply chain to collaborate and accelerate sustainable solutions to these threats and, by extension, some of the world's biggest challenges. Aaron Fitzgerald, the CEO of the recently rebranded nonprofit U.S. Farmers and Ranchers in Action, explains that prior to and even in the beginning of the coronavirus outbreak, food and ag stakeholders operated in silos. And while she says they were able to do amazing work on their own, it wasn't until they began to work together that they successfully recalibrated the supply chain to meet quickly evolving demand. In doing so, Fitzgerald says that stakeholders from different areas of the food network were directly confronted with the challenges that their peers have long struggled to address on their own. With their eyes now open, Fitzgerald says in this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast that she hopes everyone in the value chain, including farmers, ranchers, brands, retailers, environmental groups, and financial institutions, among others, can identify and advance solutions not only to their personal problems, but to the UN's Sustainable Development Goals by the fast-approaching 2030 deadline. By all accounts, Fitzgerald says that she recognizes that 2020 was not the best year for the U.S. Farmers and Ranchers in Action to rebrand from the U.S. Farmers and Ranchers Alliance, or to launch an ambitious Decade of Ag Vision initiative that mirrors the UN's Decade of Action call to mobilize more stakeholders to meet sustainable development goals. But, she adds, the challenges addressed by the UN's SDGs and felt by farmers and ranchers who make up USFRA's constituency aren't going away just because the coronavirus poses a global pandemic. And while she says the outbreak has raised new and pressing challenges, it's also underscored the importance of many SDGs, such as ending hunger, spurring decent work and economic growth, encouraging responsible consumption and production, and advancing good health and well-being, among others. The pandemic also has forced industry players to come together in a way that Fitzgerald says lays a path for addressing other shared challenges. I, I do truly believe, uh, Elizabeth, that sustainability is a journey and, and one that we have to accelerate. Um, you know, when I came on to um, U.S. Farmers and Ranchers uh, at the time, Alliance, um, you know, I was so motivated to see farmers um, in the leadership role, the farmer elected leader from each ag group. Um, and at the time, our logo was this dinner plate. And I said, you know, gosh, when you throw a dinner party and you want to have a tough conversation around the dinner it's probably better not to just include your family, right? You want to invite neighbors and different types of thinkers around that table. And um, we spent the first year really changing um, our governance uh, of our organization to be multi-stakeholder and really work from the farmer all the way through everyone you see in the value chain, environmental groups, um, governments, um, financial institutions, brands, retailers, to really ask 
you know, a common question last July, June. We said, let's get every one of these highly selected leaders into a barn and ask a really simple question. Like, if not now, then when? <laughs> the sustainable development goals are approaching. We just had the two worst harvest seasons in a generation. And this is not business as usual. We have got to accelerate collaboration and leadership for the sustainable development goals. And little did we know, Elizabeth, that you know, last June, one, that all of these leaders would work together and, and start to draft a common vision. But six months later, you know, in March, that that leadership network would be tested. Um, you know, we've been saying for a long time, it takes, you know, we need, we're going to be faced with extreme and episodic events. Well, COVID was, was the first test, you know, six months later after we pulled these leaders together. And, um, you know, during March through May, I, I got to say there wasn't a leader I could speak to in the food sector and farmers that, you know, it was some tough times. Um, and, you know, the food system bent but didn't break. Um, we, are, we are very grateful we did not have a, um, a food crisis, right? Um, we, have, we have a health crisis for sure, but we did not have a food crisis. And um, I think we should all be grateful for that. The industry's resilience was due in large part to its ability to break down silos, which Fitzgerald says USFRA helps tear down with its nascent leadership network. And largely because we had had that leadership network uh, pulled together that last June, we were able to pick up the phone and many of those leaders we had relationships with to even get this all, you know, which, as you know, the food and ag sector is kind of usually not always working together as a sector. And, um, you know, we, we were able to bring everyone together and share best practices and FAQs and keep people just up to date on how each part of the value chain was seeing the various challenges um, so that everyone could kind of hear at a situation at a glance what was really going on. And what was going on was grim. I think people really, uh, I mean, they've underestimated the significance of the economic repercussions of this sector. You know, food and ag collectively uh, represents 15% of the American workforce. So when you saw um, our restaurants shut down, that was also a significant amount of our workforce. Uh, and then um, on the economic front, on farms, you know, we saw prices just shoot down um, really low, and they have not been able to bounce back. Um, and this is already on top in the agriculture sector of two, the two most challenging harvest seasons. So, I mean, every farmer I know this spring was planting for hope, right? And then COVID hit. So now it's the third most challenging harvest season in a generation, back to back. So um, we're seeing incredible economic pressure, um, obviously in the restaurant sector, retail is going great. Uh, I think every retail would tell you that. Um, but the farming sector is still facing incredible um, economic repercussions as well. You know, when COVID hit, people don't always realize that Agriculture, everything's pretty much time for spring. <laughs> and that's when babies are born. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, new calves being born, new piglets being born. Everyone's like, well, can't you just put more of them in the barn? Well, you know, you're, I'm like, I'm in an apartment right now. You know, if I had four more people in here, I'd be going crazy, right? Like, there's just, it takes that much more space for those animals and that much more feed. So really, like, literally, they were running out of room. And when those food processing plants were getting shut down, the farmers had to, like, literally reroute animals um, to be able to get to where they needed to go. 
Um, it was an incredible effort of people really uh, rolling up their sleeves, calling. Um, I think there are some lessons learned there, too, in terms of transparency. And maybe we need, like, um, more like a heat map where people can say, like, I have food processing capabilities. I can take those pigs. And then another sector saying, okay, I've got them. I'm sending them. So we were trying to get things like that up and running. But ultimately, the system corrected itself in a matter of three weeks, thank goodness. Um, and I think largely because... Um, particularly the meat processing plants, have gone through so many um, food safety drills over the years um, due to H1N1 and SARS. They had so many protocols in place that everyone was really back up and running, um, I think it was like roughly around three weeks. But there were three weeks when it was, when it was tough. Well, Fitzgerald lauds the industry for coming together to quickly tackle COVID-19-related challenges, she knows that the pandemic is far from the only threat to the nation's food supply. You know, COVID hit after the two most challenging environmental years. We had last year um, flooding along the Mississippi. We had incredible freezing the year before with fires in um, California and then, of course, the hurricane. This year we're also seeing that as well as we saw the derecho in Iowa. Um, so more than COVID, we really need to um, – food and agriculture is front and center in climate change. And we have got to be able to prepare and adapt um, for really resiliency on our farm, extreme and episodic weather events. With this in mind, USFRA's Decade of Ag Vision, which mirrors UN's SDGs, includes four main outcome areas. The first is restoring the environment through agriculture that regenerates natural resources, which Fitzgerald says can be achieved in part through the second outcome area, investing in the next generation of agriculture systems. In particular, Fitzgerald encourages corporations making environmental social government investments to give the ag sector a second look. In the environmental social governance investment world, ESG investment, um, you're seeing quite an acceleration, actually, of investing in sustainability. And I think for us, our question is, um, you know, I would hope that agriculture would get their fair share of those ESG dollars or be seen as a sector to invest in. Um, we're this one sector that can, you know, I would say there's no other machine like something green, right? Like it's the brown and green stuff that can suck carbon out of the air, right? It's the one natural living mechanism that can solve for carbon. And um, yet agriculture isn't always seen as that sector to invest in. Um, we believe that this sector is ripe for investment and innovation, and with that can solve the sustainable development goals. Um, as, you know, people are looking at building back better after COVID, um, we think that this sector um, is, is really the sector to do that in. Um, you look at a lot of the rural economy um, issues, agriculture helps with that as well and improve jobs and rural vibrancy, as well as the actual product creates green products and also healthy food. Um, so, as I think people are really looking at building back the economy better and a green recovery, they've been calling it, I, I do think that um, ag is the sector where that innovation lies. Let, let's just take renewable energy for a second. Um, when renewable energy came about, um, yes, there was innovation. Yes, there was technology. But what they really did and did well is that they worked on financial, what they call fintech. They developed new financial mechanisms to enable that new sector to be born 
And I think in agriculture, we've, we haven't really done a good job of what I would say looking at creative financing. Um, you know, we could easily have what I would call green bonds related to agriculture. You know, many of our farmers are already filtering water. Essentially, that's a water waste, you know, if you think about how much you pay in a city to have a water waste treatment plant, you know, you could be paying farmers to do that as well. We can have bonded mechanisms to develop infrastructure that supports our ecosystem services and or different forms of what I would call um, supply chain um, innovation. So a great example of Maple Leaf Foods um, really took out all the risk uh, for their farmers and um, created a supply chain loan on behalf of their farmers in their supply chain so that they could afford that next level of technology to invest in new climate smart uh, agriculture. But they, we need new ways of um, helping them fund and manage risk, um, particularly as you see the level of increased heightened um, risk that's coming with climate change, we, we, our farmers need some, some other form of partnership, and that, I think, is a financial partnership. Helping farmers and ranchers more efficiently and environmentally responsibly produce greater amounts of food also is a pivotal step in tackling the UN Sustainable Development Goal of Ending Hunger. But Fitzgerald says this is not a challenge that farmers alone can tackle, as illustrated by the struggles during the pandemic to get food from the farm to hungry Americans. As such, Fitzgerald says she would like to see more companies and industry players embrace the idea of zero hunger and work together to achieve it. A call to action that fits with USFRA's Decade of Ag Vision's third outcome area which is to strengthen the social and economic fabric of America through agriculture. The level of food insecurity at this time is, is an all-time high, as you said, and many people experiencing the food banks for the first time. So you can imagine someone like Feeding America, one, they lost all of their, um, <laughs> their volunteers due to COVID, two, um, lowest on donations, and three, surge in, in need. You know, I mean, just an organization that just really needs help. I hope everyone will take a minute and donate. Um, but the question in reflection of um, COVID that I'm asking a lot of leaders to really think about, we have all had a sustainable, if you look at our sustainable corporate social responsibility goals, we have lists and supply chain goals. We give to the hunger, but we didn't have necessarily a goal to and hunger. Um, you know, if you think, think about it, the customer actually moved from a restaurant or to a grocery store or to, to the hunger channel. We didn't follow that customer through and help go support them in a time of need. And I think as we continually think about crisis planning for the future, we have got to think about making certain that our responsibility is obviously to, to do hunger. And, and let me just say, there are so many unbelievable stories. I was giving virtual high fives to unbelievable organizations that were just stepping up on collaboration. Like you'd never seen like um, Idaho had a project called Curds and Kindness where they all got together. They all shared pre-competitive data and then figured out how to get milk from being dumped, process it with their competitors, and then get it to the hunger bank. Amazing story. Tyson was one of the ones that really answered the bell during that time. I was the first really responder that I saw helping Feeding America. I mean, Pepsi, you know, you saw, but I mean, it's just something I think that we need to get top of mind um, 
the, the primary purpose of our food and ag system is to nourish people. And I know we take that job seriously, but it was a feat um, during, during COVID and continues to be a feat. And I think how we really reinvent ourselves to think about what you hear as um, Muhammad Yunus, famous Nobel Prize winner, that would say the bottom of the pyramid. Providing food shouldn't just be um, a luxury. Um, it shouldn't just be um, the next new niche product. We have got to make certain that we're serving every American to be getting to be getting food. And I think that for our farmers, that was the thing that was most challenging during COVID, that there was this extreme need that they were hearing and seeing, and we couldn't get it from the farms to them at times. And um, we got to make certain that we, we we can do better. We can clearly do better. And I, even now, you know, we can all give a little more and, and help feed America. We can clearly do better. Two straightforward ways that retailers and industry can move the needle on addressing hunger is one, by rotating food from the retail to the hunger channel before it expires, and two, by making additional product to go directly to food banks as manufacturers are able. I think Kroger has done a fantastic job um, at this of really making certain that you, know, you have a product, and then if it doesn't turn, they get it to the food bank right away. So it's still fresh and still a fresh food that's available for that hunger channel. Um, you know, when it comes to fresh foods, that's, that's a lot, it's a lot harder um, because you have to just manage it just like you would any distribution. Um, but I think really people planning for hunger, planning for um, also products, you know, you've seen, um, some brands that have just not only thought about on the charity side with their logo, but also just make packs specific already on their production runs um, for the hunger channel. Because if you think about it, sometimes you have extra plant capacity, right? Uh, and so they automatically are just doing runs um, for, for the hunger channel. So I think as companies really start getting savvy and take on these corporate social responsibility goals to include hunger, um, I really hope that we see a lot more innovation in this space because there are amazing people doing amazing things. Um, but I think we can all agree that we could all do a little bit more. The final outcome of USFRA's decade of ag vision is to revitalize the collective appreciation for agriculture, which Fitzgerald says has already begun. Thanks again to the pandemic, shining a light on the struggles of farmers, manufacturers, retailers, and frontline employees to grow, process, and deliver food to Americans' tables. She adds that building on this momentum by honoring the harvest and continuing to invest in food and ag sector also will unleash an American economy and help those who've lost jobs, homes, and other necessities during the pandemic find their footing again. And with that, we've reached the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope you'll join me again next week for another installment. And to help you remember, I encourage you to subscribe to us. Until next time, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive, profitable, and safe week.